when you launch a podcast, there's essentially three things that you really want to do with an emphasis on really the first one, just is driving subscriptions. So anytime you see any type of podcast ranking very high, it has nothing to do with almost anything else except subscriptions. That's about 85% of it. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, where we delve into the stories of successful entrepreneurs so you can discover what's possible. Hello, this is Yarrow, and thanks for joining me today on this podcast. And I'm looking forward to a fun conversation because I have, uh, I would say, and you know, my guest might be flattered by this, probably one of my closer friends right now. Uh, and I can say that, especially because being a digital nomad, it's actually quite hard to maintain close friendships. But thankfully, in this case, my guest today is also a digital nomad who happens to land in similar cities to me, so we do get to spend time together. However, he's known as a podcaster, certainly a podcast teacher. Um, his his kind of label is the Interchange Maker. It's the name of his show. Uh, and of course, the part we are always interested in, he has a, a six-figure business, makes 20000 a month off the back of the business he's grown from his podcast. So we're certainly going to be talking a lot about podcasting today, but of course, we're also going to dive into the history of my guest, who I'd like to introduce. Jay Wong. Hello, Jay. Yes, Yaro. What is going on? Super excited to be doing this. And that was quite flattering, actually. And <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and, and it's great to be in the same city with other creators, other digital nomads as well. Yes, th- we are in Vancouver as we record this, although not in the same room, just <laughs> despite that. Uh, yeah, so I thought we'd grab Jay. He's, he's, I've actually been following Jay for a long time now, and he's one of the only people I've I guess you could say seen uh, closely on a one-to-one conversation basis as he grows his business, which is exciting because you can see the growth. And you know, I, I, Jay leaves; he goes to Italy a lot to uh, with with his girlfriend Francesca. So, and he comes back with new stories to share. So maybe Jay, before we look at your history, uh, if we timestamp this right now, what does your your business and your life look like? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we just landed, you know, once again, back in Vancouver. Um, and, you know, our business is built on helping business owners and influencers, thought leaders be able to go put a voice behind their business, their brand, their, their products. And we do this through podcasting, through having a show online. Um, And we just believe through audio is one of the easier ways of doing it. Uh, We have an agency arm where we have a a team of editors and writers that actually helps, you know, the business owner actually put every little piece together and actually goes out and pretty much launches it on autopilot. And we also do online courses as well for individuals um, very, you know, that almost remind me of where I was, you know, when I probably met you a few years ago, right? Back in Toronto, um, just getting rolling and getting started in trying to figure out what their message is, trying to figure out how to be able to share it. And and this is what we do. Um, you know, the traveling kind of comes with it because I'm a big believer in the word choice, you know, in choosing what it is, you know, who it is that we consume content from, um, you know, who it is that we get into business with, right? And choosing you know, where we stay and, and, you know, what the types of experiences we have, that's always been a, a really kind of core belief value of mine 
from the very beginning. Um, so we, we are blessed to, to be able to, you know, we're, we're, you know, on a personal level, my girlfriend and I were trying to build two different home bases. One, you know, in Italy that is, you know, she came from Italy. Um, and, and for, for us, you know, we have so many of our friends and networks and clients that's, that's in Canada, in North America. So, you know, Canada being that, that, um, that spot for us. And so, you know, kind of quick snapshot, that's, you know, really what we're about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, you're in an exciting field. So you basically have a a done-for-you agency, so you do podcasts for people, or do-it-yourself education arm, uh, where you help people to teach or to to learn uh, how to do their own podcast. So uh, I want to dive into a bit of that, but I'd like to know where this, I guess, this passion, what you just said, I mean, the name of your (laughs) podcast, the Inner Changemaker podcast. um, You you speak to a lot of personal development uh, people on your show. Uh, You know, I remember Bob Proctor was a big part of your, your earlier start with your show and you've had Lisa Nichols and a lot of people who not just business but I know just from talking to you as as well you've always had that kind of passion for change uh, which I guess ties into choice as well so was that like if we go back in time were you born that way Jay and where were you born and you know what's the background story yeah. Um, so I was born in Toronto. And what I usually tell people is that and most people that don't actually know this is I don't even know if you know this, but uh, I, I spent what I call my developmental years in the US. And so I actually grew up from like about 10 years old to uh, right when I graduated high school, I actually lived and grew up in Maryland, uh, in down, down in the U S and so, no. yeah. So you know, I, I ended up in, in business school back in Canada. And I remember when I was 18 years old, right? Like every, you know, 18 year old out there, you're trying to figure out, you know, yourself, you're trying to figure out, you know, all the different things that you want to stand for and what it is that you want to do. Everything's exciting. You just graduated from high school. It's a little scary. You're, you know, I, I just moved, you know, uh, at that point I I'd left all my high school friends and literally, you know, moved to a different country to, to the, you know, to a place I've never even seen, didn't even see the school when, when I accepted it. Um, Truth be told, I accepted it because it was about four or five hours away from Toronto, and I knew that that would be enough to kind of create. It would be enough for my parents to say, "Hey, we'll visit you like maybe once or twice <laughs> a year." And so that that was really really cool. And I just remember um, explaining to people, even at eighteen years old, people were like, "Well, you know, you you, you seem like a you know, you, there, there's something like cool or different. Like, what is it about you?" And I, I remember saying, like, you know, hey, like I grew up and and I got the luxury of growing up and and. Canada, um, where, you know, the, you know, there, there's kind of like this chillness and this awesomeness that comes with Canadians, <laughs> but doing my developmental years in the U S it, it kind of gave me, I don't know if I call it like quote unquote, like charisma or maybe, maybe it was competitiveness. Mm. Right. But certainly at 18 years old, I was more arrogant than, than, you know, more arrogance and, and then skill. Right. right, right. And it was more like a lot more talk, you know, a lot more vision, (laughs) a lot more of, you know, you're a one day I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And, you know, I I just remember 18, that that's kind of how I viewed it, that I, I got this, the best of both worlds, right? I got the the chill factor that came from Canada, but also that competitive drive. What that, uh, what was that vision like? What did you you know? You weren't living it yet, but what did you want to achieve? Was it all about money? No, no, no actually. Um, I mean, I, I, it kind of goes hand in hand, right? Like, um, I think any person that you know, I, I watched my parents immigrate. 
Um, and I didn't really understand this when I was younger, but you know, especially over the last like you know 10, 15 years, you realize the journey they went on, right? And you know, just like any person that's listening to this that had immigrant parents, you know, they, for for them they were in a lot of ways entrepreneurs, but they weren't. It's not like they wanted to be an entrepreneur because like social media was around back then, right? It wasn't because it was like a cool thing. They saw it as a way because they, they didn't they they weren't able to you know speak English very well. And so instead of, you know, going through the, the normal work system, they had all these different, you know, kind of like side businesses. Um, they were running a, a convenience store at one point um, and they, they 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 actually sold that business and bought into a different convenience store. They actually bought the building at one point. So that was a very like successful venture for them. And they did that because they wanted to be able to spend more time with my little brother and I when we were growing up. And, you know, when we moved down to the U.S., they started the whole thing again and, you know, uprooted their life one more time. Right. And for them, they ended up in this business that was um, a Chinese restaurant. And, you know, long story short, that business ended up bankrupting both of them. Oh, wow. And it really put my, my family at the time I was about 16, 17 years old, it really put us in, you know, in more financial, you know, um, yeah, like almost in a financial crisis for, within our, our little family. And uh, not that we were, you know, I think we were pretty like very like lower middle class, you know, you know, like even before then. Right. But um, it, that left. I remember at that point when um there was a moment where, you know, we're, we're in like kind of like the back of the restaurant. We're all, all huddled together. Um, and then, you know, it's like really late at night. My dad just told us that we're, we're closing the restaurant and, you know, he, he kind of goes through his kind of like his next moves. And I remember feeling pretty helpless, you know, going through that very emotional, obviously everybody around me, you know, was also emotional. And I remember thinking, you know, I wish I, I could help. Like, I wish I knew, what it was that could that could help us that could help this little business here and um i just remember kind of you know making a vow or a promise to myself at some point that you know i'll figure out you know how i could have been better how i could have helped if there was anything i could do right and how to maybe not be in this position down the line and i just remember um when I went back to high school, it was my last year. So I had to be about, I, this was the summer, I guess, going into the last year of high school, um, that I was, it, I, I was just different, you know, like my determination, my focus was so much more different, um, than, than in years past in years past, it was more so like, Oh, let me just try to fit in. Let me try to figure out who I am. Right. Um, and that was the year long story short, that was the year that, um, I ended up getting my, what I call my first speaking engagement, mm. you know, and I didn't think of it like that. Um, but, uh, for whatever reason I ended up in this position and I got to be the, the male valedictorian for my high school graduation, uh, high school graduating class. Are you studying hard then to get valedictorian? No, 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 no. So let me, <laughs> I did not, I did okay. not because you I was someone? probably like, <laughs> I was probably like a, like a, a B average C plus type of student, right? Like okay. just right in the middle, like kind of good, but nothing to, to write home about, nothing great. Um, I took some great classes, but um, the, the the high school I went to in the U.S., it was a magnet school. And what that just means is that a, a lot of times there's there's kind of like a like a special type of like magnet 
program at that school. I was going to the school not because I was part of that program, but because I lived right like five, five, six blocks away, uh-huh. right? So um, because they couldn't academically put us on a scale on the on the same scale, what they did was they did an open competition for it. Uh-huh. And um, long story short, I ended up winning the the male speaker spot, right? And um, what was the competition I, like? How did how do they decide? Um, so it, I remember like I was, I was like walking, um, it was, it was like late after school. I, I used to run track back, back in high school and, uh, I was, I was walking, you know, to kind of through the school because it was, it was closer. And I saw this like little poster on a locker and it, it said like, Hey, what, you know, uh, we're looking for, you know, like uh, male and female speakers at graduation, okay. you know? Come to this room if you're interested, okay. right? Like, like at this time, right? And uh, I remember I, w- I went into the room. They said, "Hey, like you're gonna have to write a speech," and we have a committee which are like put together from like administrators and teachers and you know there's like a it's like a room of like 15 people and uh, you guys are gonna come back and you're gonna present and while you're all here you can pick your slots right now before even writing the talk. And I remember thinking that so many, I, I, I remember thinking this, Yara, which is, you know, all of these uh, academically gifted individuals were in the room, right? Everybody wanted the the spot because, you know, they wanted to add to their resume. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, my resume was like really nothing impressive whatsoever. And, um, but I thought, you know what, I, for whatever reason, I just thought I, I could do well in this. And I, I thought I could either go first or I can go last, but I can't go in the middle, right? Because if I go first, I can set the bar really, really high, and and, and it's almost like that that halo effect. Um, I remember I was in psychology, um, like at, at a psychology class in that time. It would make hopefully the second and third person look bad if I'm really that good, right? And then same same type of thinking at the end, which is like you know close with with the strongest, right? Maybe the like the, the crowd's a little more tired. If I come in with a lot of energy, maybe I can get their attention that way. I ended up getting the first spot. And so I was the first person to go, you know, the the next time it, it came down and um I ended up getting that that position, you know, and and to me it blew my mind, right? Because our graduation I know in Canada the the graduations are a little different, but in US it's like a really big deal. Right. And it was a it was such a big deal that um, because we were in Maryland, that we were in one of the the buildings. The, um, I, I, it was uh, it, we were in a room, first of all, that was it seated uh, 5000 people. Right. Or the, the everybody at the event was about thirty five hundred, four thousand people. And it was the Constitutional Hall. And here I am sitting on stage. Right. And, um, you know, we're, we're just looking out to this massive audience. Um, and it, it was it was one of those experiences that showed me that down the line, I have the potential to maybe use some of my gifts and communications um, that maybe I don't even I didn't even know how to be, you know, what to call it. Right. I didn't know that there was anything such as like public speaking or I tried majoring in, in like speaking that didn't really work. Mm, right. Broadcasting, so, for example. Yeah. Like there, there was nothing out there that I really knew. But I just remember thinking that was the first time it was the first that that first thought that like, wow, I could be great at this. Mm. 
and, so, and just fit in. Going forward, then, I, like I, we sort of going around the question. You, you had this experience, then you had a vision when you returned. You wanted to do something different. Was it an entrepreneurial vision? I guess is what I was sort of hinting at before. Did you see yourself entering? business because your parents were obviously an example of that which is you know yeah. helpful or did you think all right i'm gonna go to university i'm gonna get a career and so on so i i think my first i i so when growing up i didn't have like those entrepreneurial you know, you know how all, all everybody has these like great entrepreneur stories of like trading baseball cards and like lemonade stands like that wasn't necessarily me you know uh, i remember you know being in the convenience store with my parents and like seeing that but i didn't think like they were like full out entrepreneurs in, in that same way um but my first the the first semester that i was in business school i signed up to to run a painting business and it was through um a program called the summer management program right and um, I, I know that you you know about this, but it was essentially um, for those people that that don't know, they just allow, pretty much it's almost like a, a student franchise type of program where like you're using their name, right? And they have you know longevity in the marketplace. They have all the branding down. They'll train you, right? And essentially, they give you about three to four different postal codes. And you start running a painting business within kind of like an eight month period, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was. Did you sign up like thinking this is going to be my side project while at university? No, I, I remember the only reason I signed up was there. There was somebody that came to the front of the room when we we're in business class, and funny enough, it's a it's a mutual friend of ours, uh, Kirsten Ross. <laughs> that, that did it. I didn't know who who she was at that time, uh -huh. but she said. Look, I'm, I'm, you know, the professor only gave me 30 seconds, so I'm going to make this like really like cut and dry. If you want to make more money than all your friends this summer, put your name and email down for this. Like she sent like a clipboard around, put your name and email down and we'll, we'll be in touch. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I want to do that. Like I, I didn't even know. Honestly, I didn't even know we were painting houses until about like the third training. Oh, wow. And then it was, it was it was the one on painting houses, right? And I'm like, hey, wh why are we uh, like, why, why are all these like tools out here? And like, oh, 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 wow. Okay, so this is what we're doing, right? And so it, it, there was no like ambition to like run a painting business, but that experience was so overwhelming that, and, and going through that, I remember after coming, going through that, that summer, I came back to business school and I remember thinking everything here is just a joke because this is not how, you know, real business and sales and, you know, like, you know, cold, you know, like almost like cold calling door knock, like kind of like the old school way of like business, but like, like there was a business before the internet. Mm. Right. And that's so what you had to do with the painting business. Like you had to go and knock on doors to get clients. That was kind of part of the job, right? That was part of the the job. You you would you know we would train our painters in being able to do so, right? Because you know one of the strategies is let's say you know we were to paint you know some house in you know in the suburbs, right? You want to go to the the houses on that block and almost like do some canvassing right after the job is done of saying, hey, we painted the house down there and we notice you know your your garage door peeling or you know your windows peeling or maybe your deck. Right social, or maybe, social proof right there, right? Right there. And yeah. so it was very like a hands-on type of thing. I remember working 14, 15-hour days. Oh, did you get rich? Um, we made about 
$62,000 in eight months gross revenue. Um, and I remember, I think I walked away with about $12,000, which, you know, being 18 years old, I remember that at that time it was, it, it, the truth was it was more money than all my friends did over the summer. You know, we, we would almost compare you know, just like kind of like in chat, not like in a serious way, but people were like, oh, I made, you know, $5,000 here, made, you know, a couple thousand dollars here. Um, and, and I was pretty cool to be in the, in the five figure club. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So did you see your future in painting from that point forward then? Or, <laughs> um, I think for me, I, I wanted to experience like different, you know, kind of like different things, like so many things in, uh, I, I went to school in Ottawa and so many people were talking about working in the government. Right. And honestly, at, at a very, like, I was really naive. Like, I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, like it seems like everybody's like pushing for it. Um, or what about working for like one of these big, you know, fortune 500 companies, right? Because we were in a business school and that was like, that was like the dream, right? That was like, that was like self-actualization in terms of a business school, right? They want you a part one of these bigger companies and for you to be a VP, for you to like go down that track of being a partner one day. Um, and then what about working in startups? You know, at that time, startups were, were not what they were today, but you know, people were, you know, there was always the, these, it almost seems like the whispers behind, you know, behind closed doors of, you know, there's all these exciting projects. And so, um, for me, I wanted to experience it all, right. I wanted to experience what it felt like to, you know, work in, in a bigger company. You know, I wanted to experience what it felt like to work in a startup. Right. And so I, I that's why I didn't stay within just the painting. Um, they're still really good friends with me today. And in fact, they're actually a client of mine, uh, on, on the agency side. And, um, what's I, the I name of the, the company just so people know what your first business was. Yeah. Uh, so it was called student works painting and, uh, they're across Canada. They also have a U.S. arm as well. So they do this all across North America. Okay. Awesome. So there's no internet yet in any of these C stories. So, uh, did the internet like enter your life at this point or, <laughs> Yeah, I, I see. It's it's so funny because um, I pretty much after that experience, I was seeking out these these new experiences. I so I got a type of like an internship at uh, this company called Ottawa Kiosk, OttawaKiosk.ca because they're in Canada and they were pretty much um, the rivals of Yellow Pages in Ottawa. And in fact, they were the, they had the, the, their kind of like claim to fame is essentially that they had more unique visitors to their websites, right? So if you were to type in like Ottawa, you know, and they were an online directory, right? And so what that meant is, let's say you were looking for a dentist, right? And, and you were in the city of Ottawa or you were in the neighborhood of Ottawa. So you would type in whatever your neighborhood is, right? And dentists, right? Or you would type in Ottawa dentists and top dentists in Ottawa. So you type in some variation of that most likely in, into search. And a lot of times the, the company I was working with, Ottawa Kiosk, it would actually beat out. It would be the number one or number two link on all these local search pages. And so I started working with this company, which was pretty much selling inventory on this online directory. And so that was very, um, I, you know, we were selling to small, medium businesses. Um, then we worked up and, and started selling to associations and different BNIs. Um, and yeah, that became like uh, probably like the first internet venture uh, or gig that I, I kind of got into, uh, which is really funny looking back because I've actually never 
like never in like hundreds of interviews ever even brought this experience up. <laughs> so what did you learn there? Like what was that just learning SEO to begin with as a, a starting point or? Um, I think for me it was more sales. Okay. It was a hundred percent more business development relationship. Um, you know, how to be able to generate relationships that, you know, being a part of the Ottawa, you know, kind of directory because these guys were big in Ottawa, we got invited to pretty much every type of charity event and networking event and, you know, who like the kind of like every possible event there was in, in Ottawa. And so I would go a lot of times in representing, you know, one or two, they'd send one or two people from, from the company. It wasn't a very big company. We were probably like 12, 12, 13 people in total, you know? Um, and so I, you know, quote unquote, did it part time. Right. Because I was going to school at the same time. But I, I just love the, the idea of, you know, being able to have those conversations with small and medium businesses, you know, and almost like introducing them to, you know, marketing their business online. Right, right. And it, it seems almost archaic, like saying it like that. Um, but it's true because people didn't understand how it worked, yeah. you know, and this is before social really even blew up. I would say near the end, like I, I graduated university in, in 2011 and probably the last 2010, 2011, that was when the idea of even being a social media manager was even like, like kind of like a formed idea, mm. you know, um, people were maybe doing it then, but you know, certainly business schools and certainly some of these businesses that we were chatting with, they were, so it was, it was quite foreign to them for sure. Okay. So did you stay there long? Like what happened next? Um, so we, I, I stayed there, um, for a couple, for like almost a year and a half, couple years. And then I, I became really, really good friends with one of their partners. And we actually, you know, like if you want to call like the first official type of venture, um, that we went on, we actually partnered up together and started a health directory, like a health online directory. Um, and I remember like, you know, my, my buy, you know, cause we were just like, okay, this is an idea. Let's like, let's, let's do a couple tests. Let's see if it like it works. I remember taking, you know, like, I think it was 7,000 or $10,000 from like OSAP, you know, which is like, you know, government trying to subsidize and, and help you with your, you know, university and college funds. And I remember taking that and, and applying that within our business, right. And using it to try to, 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 to grow. Um, but within a few months, um, it, 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 it was quite clear that we were not going to win, at least in the way that we had originally believed. Um, part of that was, you know, my quote unquote partner at that time, he was going through some personal matters of his own. He was pretty much getting married, getting engaged, having a baby, right? Kind of like all in the same, you know, almost like the same period. Um, and I myself, you know, found myself in, in, you know, trying to, you know, figure out what the next steps of our startup is. And we didn't really have, you know, any type of like crucial next steps. Um, and so that kind of became the, the first, you know, experience or the first experiment of, of, you know, having a taste of that. Um, and that's actually when, um, at the end of this project, I reached out to people in my network and one of them, it's so funny how all of this is connecting, but one of them was the CEO of Student Works Painting. And it was him that actually introduced me to Dan Sullivan's company, where I started working there in Toronto. And that's part of the reason I moved to Toronto. So for those who don't know, what is Dan Sullivan's company? Um, so Strategic Coach, they are 
um, a lot of times they, they, they consider themselves almost like the Harvard or Yale uh, for you know successful entrepreneurs, and they cater to proven entrepreneurs. Um, so people that have a very you know significant type of business pay themselves very very high level of uh, net income, and they do coaching and workshops for these um, individuals. And just to give you guys some proper context, um, you know they have clients like. Um, a Frank Kern, who, who has been a part of Strategic Coach, a Jeff Walker, um, you know, some of you guys know him from Product Launch, um, and um, Peter Diamantis, the person uh, in charge of like the XPRIZE Foundation. Um, so there's they some relatively big, you know, movers and shakers of, of, the, of the world there. Mm, yeah, it's probably a good chance people have heard of uh, Strategic Coach and Dan Sullivan. It's, it's certainly bigger than Canada. Um, and and I've, yeah, a lot of people I remember have referred to the sort of basic marketing strategy training and that's kind of what they focus on isn't it and uh i find it interesting here for you jay because you know let's face it you're a young kid who really had worked at a painting business uh, in a in directory business and then sort of had a failed attempt at your own directory business uh, right and and why did they hire you <laughs> i guess is my question <laughs> <laughs> um so a, co- a couple different things right um one is uh, they're a big believer um, of one thing called Kobe index. And some of you might know what the Kobe index is. Uh, some of you might not. Um, but essentially Kobe index is one of these tests. It's kind of like a disc profile or like a Myers Briggs. Um, but essentially what it tests is, is it tests who you are under pressure. And long story short, without getting into the the geekiness and the numbers of it, um, people just take a look at Kobe Index. Um, They really liked my Kobe Index profile. They liked who I naturally defaulted to. Um, And I was also in a business development role for them. And so they, they thought that the business development experience that I had from the painting as well as the directory would be a really good fit. Um, but you're absolutely right. I, at the time that I was with Strategic Coach, I was the youngest employee in every setting, in every meeting, right? Um, and, you know, I, I, I just remember being in the back of the rooms of, of these high net worth, you know, types of workshops, you know, and I came from this business school. So I'd come and I know you're going to find this like ridiculous, but I came in like a three piece suit because that's kind of what you do in, in the corporate world or, or in business school. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to be in, you know, part of the, some of these workshops. And, you know, I, I see these, you know, these entrepreneurs that are, you know, not just in the millions, but like tens of millions, hundreds of millions, even a few billionaires that were a part of Strategic Coach. And they were just so relaxed. You know, none of them came in a, in a suit, right? Um, and, and they were, the ideas they were, they were talking about, they were talking about not just, hey, how can we, you know, make more sales? How can we increase our transactions? Of course, that's, that's part of any business, but they were talking about how can we make a bigger difference, you know, to the community that we're serving, to the audience that we're serving. Um, and that whole, that, the couple years that I was at Strategic Coach, I would say my own clients really pushed me to start viewing entrepreneurship as this way of being able to serve a particular audience that you can obsess over and, and be able to develop, you know, ideas, frameworks, and be able to make a difference for them. So uh, what did you learn then? And like, it's it, to me, especially with those kind of numbers in terms of the caliber of entrepreneurs, this is some high level strategic business 
discussions, tactics going on. Plus, you're seeing a coaching business, which is not too big a stretch to what you do today on some level with teaching podcasting. 100%. So you must have started to learn the value of selling education and even just getting education yourself around marketing a business. Can you maybe think of, and I'm actually curious myself too, like what are one or two of the biggest high leverage lessons you took away from that time at Strategic Coach? Yeah. So, you know, I think from a skill level looking at it, um, I think number one was selling high ticket programs, right? It's, it's, you know, the, knowing the types of people that were at strategic coach, um, you know, the, the investment to get in is, is I'm sure it's higher these days, but a lot of times it was like a minimum five figure investment. Right. And, um, I you remember know, they have a hundred thousand dollar level don't they in one of their programs like you have to spend a hundred thousand to get in yeah so it's especially the workshops with dan right and especially as he's building out more infrastructure for himself um so that was like an amazing skill just to like learn like and i didn't put it together only until like I started having like my own business that I start seeing these things. Right. But they would do the, you know, the occasional webinar, like every other, you know, like every month there would be like two webinars. Right. Like they would do these in-house like events. Right. Um, and so much of their business was based on referrals. And so like, how did you go about that? How do they drive that in the workshops? Right. And how do they structure the workshops? Um, and so those, those, like just being a part of the behind the scenes of that operation, really blew me away. Like I was fascinated by their business. I was fascinated by Dan um, because, you know, I saw an entrepreneur that actually built systems and frameworks and really an entire business that caters around his own unique abilities, right? His own genius, you know, and pretty much Dan only does what Dan is great at. Um, And it was the first time that I ever saw a person like actually implement and integrate that in their lives, right? Like Dan doesn't cook any of his own meals. He doesn't drive. It's not because he can't, right? Um, it's not because he doesn't, he can't do our, our marketing or our branding, but because he knows what he's really, really great at. So to answer your question, one of the, f- like the first things that they really drilled into you and into everybody in strategic coach is that concept of what they call unique ability, right? And unique ability is it's it's basic to understand, but it's actually quite hard for entrepreneurs, especially if they're just starting out, to to really stay within. Think of it as a circle, and in that circle, you only have one or two activities that will perpetually give you joy, right? That perpetually will that you could see yourself improving in. That you would classify that those are like that you would classify almost yourself as a genius when you are doing those activities, right? And the the journey, the process of strategic coach is to be able to isolate that, to build a whole team and, and business around you so that you really stay within that circle. And then they do that, once you do that on a personal level, the next step is really doing that from a business level, right? So a lot of times people go through strategic coach, they come out with not just their unique ability, but they come out with what's called a unique process, right? And, you know, online marketers know this really, really well these days. Um, Well, at least I I would think so because you see a lot of times people have, you know, let's say uh, the ask method, right? Or even with our stuff, the, you know, podcast your brand, we have the podcast your brand blueprint, right? So we, you have a process to be able to take someone from stage zero and be able to guide them along the way, even with some of your stuff, 
right? You have the blog profits, you know, blueprint in terms of being able to have, you know, help these people generate, you know, traffic and being able to monetize their own blog, right? Yeah, I, I do remember some of the early lessons of, of uh, sort of branding, certainly positioning was always have a system that's unique to you because that's a major powerful point of differentiation. So uh, it sounds very similar to what you're saying. For sure. And, you know, the, the other thing was, I didn't know this at that time, um, but looking back and especially now in some of the events or uh, whether we're hosting an event or we're, we're going to masterminds these days, it makes a lot, lot of sense to me. And, and I have almost a significant empathy around this, which is the power of gathering like-minded individuals. And because it didn't make any sense to me in the very beginning why anyone would invest twenty or fifty thousand dollars to just simply be in the room sometimes, right? Because these people, like, they're, they're already successful. Mm. Like, what what could they what could you possibly teach these people? They're already in like the one percent of the one percent, right? And um, you know, quick little side story. I remember one time we're we're you know we're just going around the room creating conversations, and I I, I started chatting with this guy, and um, uh, I don't remember his name, but I remember he said to me, he goes, you know, Jay, you know what the worst thing about coming to Toronto is? And I said, no. What's the worst thing? He says, well, in Pearson, they pay an you have to pay an additional fee to park your jet there. <laughs> I go, oh, right. Your experience of Pearson, which is the airport in Toronto, and my experience of Pearson is very different. Right? Like, so I was like, oh, right. Yeah, I've heard about that. Mm. Wow, incredible. To yeah, um, totally. Before I forget, I just want to ask you, Kobe, just to step back a second. How do you spell sure. that? Uh, K-O-L-B-E. Kobe. Okay, good. People, people might be wondering about that. So, okay, so you find yourself surrounded just by the nature of your role in the uh, strategic coach business with highly successful people. Now, I know that must have lit a fire under your belly for you know <laughs> to do something of your yeah. own. I guess it's a kind of occupational hazard for a company like that. They hire people who then learn all this stuff and want to leave their company, right? So is that kind of what happened with you? Or, Well, I see. I, so I would I would say this, right? Because going back into the idea of unique ability, it's, it's almost like this idea that you cannot get away from it, right? There's a lot of times people, um, you, you, there, there's certain things in your life that you just, you, you can't deny yourself of it, right? And, you know, Going back into um, the the like the little high school valedictorian story, like if I had to be honest, like in that in that moment, seventeen years old, once I finished the talk and got that high from you know the, the whole presentation and the whole and the whole speech, I I kind of knew, like I knew deep down, like okay, I could do this right for forever, and I I could get joy, I could see myself improving from it, but what was happening was that I was scared. And I was also entering like there was, you know, teachers and parents and counselors, like everybody in my life told me like I had to go to college or I had to go to the next step of education. Right. Especially coming from immigrant parents, like education is the way out. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Chinese immigrant parents too, even more so, Chi right? so. Chinese immigrant parents. <laughs> yeah. And and so, I, you know, to, to your question in terms of like, does that happen with a lot of people in strategic coach? I would say no. Because once you understand like the what they what they naturally default to and what their profiles are, and and you know this right, and I don't remember what the the statistics are, but I remember a lot of times people go, you know, being an entrepreneur is so rare mm. that if you were to go on the street, and I think someone gave this like case study of like if you were to go on the street try to meet an entrepreneur, right, you would have to go up to a hundred people 
and only three of them would would be kind of like open and included you know inclusive of the idea mm. and and so it, i remember, it's like it's so funny because someone once asked me on a podcast they said did you know that did you know like once you started working at strategic coach and like you started seeing all this did you know like did you see yourself like doing some of the things that you're doing now and i knew um, the first week I knew probably the second day in. And, um, the reason I knew is because they gave me my, my first, by the way, if anyone gets hired as strategic coach, this is kind of what happens. Um, <laughs> the first like two weeks, you kind of do nothing. And uh, when I say you do nothing, it, it's not like you do nothing, but you're just getting your accounts like all set up. But what, what I did, what, what they did for me was they, they got probably about 15 or 20 books that Dan has written right over the last like 15 20 30 years that he's been doing it and my job was to essentially go through them my job was to familiar uh, like to make myself familiar of every piece of content that strategic coach came out and one of the books was a quote book and i remember flipping through this quote book cuz i thought it was probably the easier one to kind of start off with and one of the best quotes that i thought um, Dan has ever put together was this quote that said all entrepreneur all, all entrepreneurs are unemployable. Mm. And I remember I remember just reading that and thinking, yep, that's probably like he's so right, and you know? And he's just hired me. <laughs> and he just hired me. Like what what's 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 wrong with them, right? Uh, but yeah. it, but in a lot of ways, um I'm massively grateful for them because they they showed me a lot of these types of thinkings, um, the the thinking tools, right? Um, but also the the way how to operate like that and how to be surrounded by other entrepreneurs, other high performers, other creators. Um, it just made such a dramatic difference for me, for sure. All right. So in our last uh, sort of 15, 20 minutes here, Joey, we better talk about podcasting. So did you start a podcasting business next after I'm assuming you made the choice to eventually leave Strategic Coach? Was it, oh, I'm going to be a podcaster now or, or what happened next? Um, so long, long story short on that, which is, um, I, I kind of went through a quarter life crisis, uh, pretty much, but okay. 25 yeah, years but, old. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was right about 25 and, um, I was in a, a more, what I would call more of a toxic environment, um, where I was in Toronto strategic coach professional level. Awesome. Right. I, at one point I was, you know, traveling and especially in that last year doing events for them, but um, I, I decided that I needed to create some space for myself because I wanted to be able to figure out what it is that I wanted to do next. Right. And I knew it wasn't in strategic coach as much as I loved and, and, and was grateful for them. Um, but I also knew that it wasn't really within the, the types of people in the network that I was in at that time in Toronto. Uh, a lot of my friends were, you know, into, you know, partying and uh, going out. And, you know, it was just kind of like the friends that, that you kind of grew up with. Right. And it, it wasn't that environment for me. It didn't give me that space to actually think. It didn't give me that space to process what it is that I actually wanted to do. Um, and so for me, I took kind of like a, in my mind, I, I mentally took a, a year to essentially go uh, study Chinese. And um, you know, without getting into that story, um, that's actually when I went to Shanghai. It was right after I quit Strategic Coach. And um, that was the year that 
I met Francesca, my, my current girlfriend. Um, that was also the year that I found out I could speak Chinese. Um, kind of ironic yeah. for someone with Chinese parents, but yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's better to do it at 24, 25 and to figure that out, right? Uh, yep. Um, that was the year that, you know, I was what I would say vagabonding across Asia. Um, South, I lived in Southeast Asia for a time, lived in South Korea at a time, um, you know, it, it was just one of the one of the most unique experiences, you know, during that process, as you know, um, when you're traveling and you're not making any income, uh, what tends to happen is your bank account just goes in one direction. <laughs> right. And uh, when the money ran out, that was, you know, oddly enough, that was like well timed for the end of the year. And I, I came back with, you know, all my clothes were dirty. You know what I mean? Like not not a single thing that I had was was relatively clean. Um, I, I also had no more money. Right. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do next. And and so that's actually the, you know, foundation, call it. Um, or that's uh, that was actually the time that I thought, you know what, this is the time that I'm going to start creating content out there. And before the podcast, I tried so many different things. Right. Not very long, obviously. Right. But I think everybody goes through that that process in the beginning where they go, oh, so and so is like talking about blogging. So I must start a blog. Right. Or so and so is talking about Pinterest or Twitter or Instagram. So I'm going to do those things, too. And after about five, six months of doing that, I pretty much found myself, you know, like with a lot of, you know, broken bridges, essentially, you know, not none of them made any sense. None of you know, like I was just getting used to, to creating content. Um, I, I happened to be at a dinner one night with other entrepreneurs going back to the whole like mindedness. And uh, someone has been watching me. They, they said, hey, I watched you over the last few months. Um, I think you do great with a podcast. Have you ever considered that? And, you know, funny enough, I, I've never I never thought it was even possible. Um, and so a few weeks after that dinner, that's actually when I launched the Inner Changemaker show. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the launch. So obviously, uh, you were brand new to podcasting. Um, what did you do? Were you following a template of some kind? Uh, how did it go? Maybe it wasn't a quick start or, or it was. Tell us, tell us about those early days. So the launch of the podcast, I think, till this day, is one of the most vital pieces to, the launch of anything, right? The launch of a new opt-in, the launch of your book, the launch of a pro. Like, I think the launch is where you can create so much momentum and so much buzz. And that's really essentially what happened to me. Um, I didn't have any more, you know, money or, you know, credit cards to max out at that time. And so what I did was I just happened to know two other podcasters that were successful in that, in, 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 with their podcasts. And they were gracious enough to share with me some of their own strategies. And literally from those two conversations, I put together my own version of what I would do. And because I had no email list, because I didn't really have any type of social media or, you know, anything to leverage, I had to really kind of go back to those student works painting roots, right? And it was very like manual in terms of how everything happened, right? But on a high level, when you launch um, a podcast, there's essentially three things that you really want to do with an emphasis on really the first one, just as driving subscriptions, right? So anytime you see any type of podcast ranking very high, it has nothing to do with almost anything else except subscriptions. That's about 80 85% of it, right? So if you can go from zero to a few hundred 
subscriptions in a very, very short amount of time, um, iTunes algorithm actually will start bumping you up. And that's essentially what happened. And when I launched this, um, you know, new and noteworthy, there was a section in iTunes that actually held some weight back in 2015. Um, and so we were the, you know, top, you know, self-help podcast, top self-marketing podcast, uh, in Canada and us. And so that probably got me my first couple hundred listeners, you know, with the show and the way I did that. Um, so sorry, first one was the, the subscription. That's the, one of the three things you need to do. Second one is actually have people listen to the show. Right. And then the third one is actually having them leave a rating and a review. Right. And the reason you want to do that is from a social proof standpoint. Um, and, and you want people to consume your content because you want to hook them. You want to create that what my students and I call kind of like that Netflix binge effect. Right. And, um, so the way I actually got people to help me was I reached back out to my network, but I didn't just send them an email and say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Could you help me? I like made people like, you know, videos and like audios and like, you know, like, like it took time to actually write like personalized notes, but essentially I got their attention, got them to essentially commit to helping me on the very specific day. And then we were able to drive a lot of subscriptions on that very day, on that first day. And it really did make a, a huge difference for my podcast. And from there, I mean, that that's really when my business in, in some ways began. Um, but, you know, it, it really did change the kind of the tra- trajectory that I was on with online marketing and, and starting my own business. Mm. So how does that start turn into a $20,000 a month business? Like uh, there's, a, there's a disconnect because a lot of people go, well, did you just get a lot of listens and then you make money from advertisers? We know from the intro that you have uh, an agency and a coaching business. So is, is that kind of a natural extension of starting a podcast? Is you, you sort of, I mean, this is maybe not the case for a lot of podcasts because their topic doesn't lend itself to uh, coaching. But in your case, um, I mean, in some ways, yes or no, because you actually have a podcast, especially with the name Interchange Maker. It's not like how to make money podcasting. That's not what right, podcast right. is about, right? <laughs> that would make sense if you were to get customers from that topic. But you have this topic that's a bit more personal development, self-help kind of subject matter. So how does that turn into the business? Maybe take us through your initial income streams and what worked and what didn't work. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go through it quick because... Um, I, I want to emphasize a point right after this, which is, uh, you know, in the beginning, you really don't know, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't know your audience. You don't know what they want. You don't know what you should be creating. And a lot of times you think you, you think you have an idea on what it is that you want to do, but you truly don't because you've never gotten anyone to write you a check. And that's a problem, right? Because you don't, that's like the last piece of feedback that is probably the most important. And a lot of times first time creators or first time entrepreneurs, they're missing that. And so for me, um, I, I, I was for the first 90 days that I had a podcast, I just focused on creating the best possible content I can to serve those people that were a part of the launch. After that, I started listening while I was building up this audience, my email list grew from, I remember the first email I sent, there was 22 people on my email list. And, um, you know, a lot of them was like my mom and a lot of them was like, you know, info at my own like URL. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to get my, my, my own numbers out there. And, you know, I, I remember um, I would start asking 
my audience, what is it that they actually want? Like, why do they listen to the show? What are the problems that they're going through? What are their struggles that they're going through? Um, around that same time, I got my, I, I started, um, I got my first speaking gig in the podcasting world. And if some of you don't know, podcasting in, in that world, just like with anything, there's always conferences, there's always get togethers, right? And I remember going to this, this first one, um, it was in Tampa, it was PodFest back in 2016. And um, I think it was, yeah, it had to be 2016. So I flew, you know, they, they, they gave me the, I was on a panel, I wasn't even like speaking, right? And like, they gave me a, a spot on a panel, I thought it was like the most exciting thing ever. And um, I remember I paid, you know, it was like, probably like, all in all, um, I, I got like a, a, an Airbnb that was close to the, the hotel where the conference was happening. Uh, I paid for my flight on, you know, the, the, the RBC or TD points on my credit card. So like that really helped. Uh, I think all in, I was in for like five, six hundred dollars. And, you know, I was going there um, to, to, to speak on this panel for like 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Um, but I knew if I just went into that room and I delivered with excellent, I was just, I was just, I didn't have a game plan. I, I didn't have a coach that showed me like a framework on how to sell. I didn't have any of those things. So I just said, Hey, I'm just going to go in there and I'm going to share everything I know. And I'm just going to try to blow people's minds. I'm just going to try to demonstrate actual expertise and not like in that way, but in, in a way like where I, like for my 10 minute panel thing, I was showing like email scripts. Like I was, I was, I was going all in, right? And I don't know what people were talking about on like high level. I was like, hey, look, all this is great, but I'm just gonna show you what I know. And this is the first email I send. This is how I get this influencer on. This is how I reach out to this New York bestseller. This is exactly, so I just, I just went through like a bunch of email templates, right? And um, after the panel, um, a lady came up to me and said, hey, I, I'd love to do, do your group coaching program with you. And I said, okay, um, cool. Where where did you? She goes. You, you have a group coaching program, right? I, I saw your. Uh, I saw you on the panel. You showed me the email scripts. It looks good. I want in. And I'm like, well, you know what? It's it's such a good time that you're bringing this up to me because next month we're doing our we're we're doing our new group coaching training program. And you know, I started chatting with her. And I go, look, I, I, actually, I've never really taught this before, but we're gathering this group together, and it's going to be a beta group because I want to create a product from this. And she goes cool. What, what's, what's, what's the price? And I'm going, well, let me, let me send you the, let me send you the invoice tonight and uh, I'll see you at dinner. Right. And I literally, I'm not joking, Yaro. I took like, um, I took like an Uber or, or Lyft back to my Airbnb and I literally Googled how to send, like how to create an invoice on PayPal, how to send her a link, how to like, how to create like a bit of an outline. So I did all these before dinner. And so by the time I saw her at dinner, she goes, Oh, I saw the outline. I love it. Um, I'm in. And so that's 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 great. And so I got my first customer there. I ended up and I, I ended up closing. I think it was four, the first four people in my group coaching program from that speaking engagement. And Without even um, having a program at the time, you first landed zero there. program, <laughs> zero outline. Like, and I don't say that as in like I totally made it up and what have you. Like, I, I, I you know, I, I did it with them, right. and it was like, and like it was one of those courses that I was so hands on. It probably was annoying. Right. Because we did uh, what it was. I remember it was like six weeks. It was six weeks, six hundred dollars. That's what it was. So six weeks, six hundred dollars. Um, I did it in USD even back then. Right. So I, I, I give myself a high five for that. But <laughs> it was like uh, Monday I'd go live and I would I didn't even do the video. I would teach them the slides like I would just like, hey, here are the slides. I'm going to teach. I just taught it live. Right. And then Thursday we do a Q&A. And it was like that for six weeks. 
And so I, then I created my first beta of, of that course and I ran a second beta. I probably shouldn't have ran the third beta, but I did three versions of it and then we automated the course. And that, to this day, like the foundation of that course was built from those first couple versions of the beta, right? And so that's how it kind of all started. So that's how the course started. Same thing with uh, quote unquote consulting, right? Which I guess in some ways has turned into the agency. But a lot of times people saw me speak, you know, they, they saw me speak on that panel. I got invited to speak at two different conferences from that panel, right? And so I was like, okay, cool. And then once again, invested another five, 600, flew out there on my own dime. And people said, you know, people all the time, they would say, hey, I saw you talk about this. I love the way that you think about this can our company hire you? And it, you know, like I didn't even know what the numbers were. I didn't know what the things are. So I think a lot of times I just learned while doing it, you know, said mm -hmm. yes, said yes, let's do this. You know, got myself on a Zoom call with like a team of 10, you know what I mean? Completely different personalities. We have a designer, we have the CEO. That was a bit of a disaster. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like it was just learning as I went and, um, I'm sure they all thought my rates were like hilarious because um, it was all over the place. Um, but, you know, that's kind of how I built that, especially that first year of income. It was just doing like it was just trying to figure out, trying to like refine this. But there was no real refinement. It was just kind of like I'm just going to keep, you know, plugging away. And, 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 and people kept being receptive to it. So that, that was a good thing too. Mm. I can imagine if we kind of go forward in the last five minutes here, you had year two, year three, and I think now you're in your fifth year. Uh, everything you did just got better. You, you continue to publish your podcast, so you reach more people, you get more speaking gigs, so you reach more people, you have a more refined uh, group coaching program, your consulting becomes an agency, which is then systematized, get structure, and lo and behold, suddenly you're making $20,000 plus a month from these income streams that all started with this kind of podcast. Uh, now, if we can, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong with whatever I just said then, but I'd also like to maybe just turn this around for a person listening who's thinking, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about podcasting myself, but it sounds like, you know, Jay's a, a public speaker and, and, you know, that's the secret here. He, he he's a, someone who liked to talk. He then did start a podcast cause he likes to talk. Then he got gigs speaking at events because he likes to talk <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, he's got a business. So you have to like sure. to talk to in order to make this work as a podcaster. So I, I think for, first things first, you shouldn't start a podcast if you yourself don't enjoy listening and consuming podcasts. I think that's like first and foremost, right? It's kind of like, oh, everybody's doing it. This is like the hot thing in marketing right now. Or, you know, look at these numbers. Like we could show you all that. But if you actually don't enjoy doing kind of like what Yaro and I are doing, a little back and forth, a little bit of an interview, you know, like if you don't enjoy creating content from your voice or from communicating that, um, then I would not recommend starting a podcast. Now, going into a little bit of, of my story, I, I did kind of make a little bit of a jump there, but when I was asking my audience what they wanted to learn from me, the first answer wasn't podcasting. The first course that I did wasn't also podcasting. Um, the first answer, I, I mean, I got all sorts of answers, right, from people asking me to help them with their relationship, right, uh, which I was like, oh, okay, um, <laughs> you know, who, who are the best relationship people in my life? Here, here's a referral for you. People were asking me, hey, how do I immigrate to Canada or how do I immigrate to the U.S.? I'm like, okay, certainly can help you there. Um, but 
eventually people kept asking, they said, Hey, you're putting out all this great content. Um, you're, you're doing all, all these things on Instagram, on your website, your speech. So I want to put together my own personal brand. How do I, can you help me do that? And I said, great. I, I, I think I can. And I, I remember Googling what is a personal brand? Like, like, what do they mean? Oh, they mean they want to be seen through content. Right. And so I just taught them the four things I did. I taught them, you know, like the videos I taught them. Podcasting was one of them. Right. I taught them storytelling. So I, I think the, the big takeaway here is not that you should teach personal branding or podcasting is that once you build an audience, once you cultivate an audience, it's how good, how well are you listening to them to figure out what is it that you can help serve them in? And so many of our clients it's not because they're great, you know, the communicators, what have you. They're hyper passionate about what their 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 little niche or what their topic is, right? We have clients that help people set up their networking business or network uh, network marketing business. We have people that help people in in health and nutrition and fitness and ketogenic diet and you know here here's you know the 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 microbiomes of the gut, you know. And there are other people that leverage the medium of podcasts differently because I think now more than ever as it's maturing you want to use the podcast not as the front of the funnel type of like attraction as much. It, it worked a lot better back in 2015, but now you want to move that right in the middle. And it's almost like everybody that's on your email list or everybody that's, you know, if you, if you have a really successful YouTube channel or Instagram, you want to leverage that as an ongoing conversation piece with them. And what do you talk, what, what's the ongoing conversation topic? Well, it's the topic that you're passionate about. It's a topic that you want to teach on. It's a topic that you think will make a difference for them. And so th that's how I, I look at podcasting. Uh, of course, a lot's, you know, my, my own personal story, right? Like my own personal blueprint comes back down to my own unique abilities and my own advantage, right? But I think a lot of you listening, like you have some, you have a lot of cool things that you only like really you can do, right? And you you have that story, you have that perspective. So I, I think a lot of times like it's, it's just in getting the person courageous enough to share it. Hmm. It has almost nothing to do with the tacticalness of, of the communication part, more so on the willingness to share it. And, and once you do have that audience, for that. Mm. Yeah, I think the the excitement for your topic really which you said at the start, do you already like podcasts just as a listener? Would you like to talk about a subject that you care about? Uh, then a podcast could be a great channel for you to build an audience and like you said more so than build an audience to really develop a relationship with an audience. Now, we're pretty much running out of time, Jay, and I do have to run off, but I, I think we've got the perfect next step for those who happen to be listening to this in January of 2019. <laughs> um, Jay's actually going to be running a, a challenge, and that's a, a challenge to basically get your podcast up and running. You want to just give us a couple of minutes about you know, what, what would, what's involved in the challenge? It's free to do, so you know, everyone can do this who's listening in. Uh, yeah, and, and where to get it, of course, too, Jay, where to sign up. For sure. Um, so... We are running a launch your podcast launcher show challenge. And the the reason I wanted to do this is really pull kind of pull everybody back. You know, everybody has this idea of like podcasting is easy, podcasting is hard. What about the tech? What about the marketing? And so I said, hey, why don't we just answer these questions 
in the the in the right process so that you can kind of go through it and by the end of the challenge it's it's about a week long um by the end of the challenge we had we've actually had so many people like forward us they go hey i have my podcast live already right and so i i think that's absolutely amazing and we just want to be able to show you the big steps that is included in the podcast. A lot of times people are, are, you know, if you're just getting started, if you're trying to figure out the tech, if you're trying to figure out how to monetize your show or where it fits in with your business, um, that's where you could go ahead and and, and join us in that challenge. Um, the way to do that is go to www.theinnerchangemaker.com forward slash challenge. And uh, I'll send you the link, Yaro, so that you can include it in, in the show notes. Um, so if, if you're interested in that, um, love to have you in there because we get we 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 really put them everybody that that comes in get ready for a challenge first of all <laughs> because um, it it is going to change up some of the ways that you're looking at a podcast it's certainly going to change up the way that you see some of your marketing actually mm. and where it fits in where can you integrate audio um, and once again it goes back to are you including that ongoing conversation and nurturing. The people that are already in your network, that's already in your sphere, um, and I think that's the biggest impact any show can really make. And for those people who've never done a challenge before, you're basically working with Jay. He's producing videos with activities live, so you're actually there, and you're with a small group of people doing the challenge together. And I think that's also really cool because you kind of see what everyone else is up to as they're doing their challenge they're creating their first podcast so again we'll, we'll share the link uh for that in the show notes and jay in case they may be listening to this after the challenge is over i know you run the challenge <laughs> many times so there's another website where do we find you for you know everything you do regarding podcasting Sure, sure. So, um, one, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, love it if you let me or Yaro know, like any of the big ideas, any of the takeaways from this. Um, obviously, my podcast, The Inner Change Maker, if you want to kind of geek out on some of the, the podcasts, if you want to see what I'm doing, not what I'm telling you to do, but what I'm doing actually in real time, um, from content to strategy to execution, you can take a look at that podcast, The Inner Change Maker. Um, and for some of you that are not going to join us in the podcast, but maybe you just want a high-level type of overview, um, we, we put together a podcast uh, roadmap for you, and that really just guides you through the eight phases of putting together your own show, and you can grab that at www.theinnerchangemaker.com forward slash roadmap. Awesome. So forward slash challenge, forward slash roadmap, www.theinnerchangemaker.com. Okay, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jay, for sharing your story. Uh, I no doubt we'll be keeping in touch. And uh, thanks for yeah doing what you do with podcasting with such enthusiasm. I love it. Yeah, thank you so much, Jarl. And uh, this was a real blast. Recently, I published a blog post and a podcast explaining how I haven't handled my own email in over 12 years. Now, after I released that content, I've had people come up to me going, what do you mean? How have you not handled your email? What, what, do you, what is that? How do you do that? Now, I've been a person who very early on realized that email is a huge time suck. Like you probably are now, I used to deal with all my email myself. I think most people on the planet still do that. Their email inbox is something they see as their 
own. They have to deal with it. I learned that that inbox, my email inbox, is the biggest productivity killer time suck. Not to mention it goes completely against my goal for the laptop lifestyle. If I want the freedom to travel, to run my business anywhere, I can't be checking my email four or five, six times a day worrying about you know customer complaints or new jobs coming in. And that's what I used to do until about 12 years ago, I hired my first ever inbox manager. And that was a person who became absolutely vital to not just my business, but my life. It significantly reduced my stress. Because I think like most people, you're, you're probably getting up early in the morning and handling your email then and possibly spending one or two or even three hours. Your entire morning can be wiped out. Just replying to messages doesn't move your life forward. It doesn't move your business forward. It's kind of like busy work. Or maybe you're coming home at night to the big pile of emails and you've got potential customer queries. You've got clients who are asking for things. These are important messages and you end up losing your entire evening when you'd rather be relaxing, spending time with friends or family, or even watching Netflix, you know, whatever it is you want to do. But you've got this big pile of email that you know is not going to get smaller unless you go and deal with it. You know, the next day there'll be more emails coming in and the next day there's more emails coming in. So for me, I made sure that once I got rid of it, I never had to deal with it again. So I've had either one or two or even three people handling my inbox specialists for over 12 years now. And I'm very excited to announce as a special new sponsor of this podcast, I'd like to introduce you to InboxDone.com, which is a brand new service essentially offering what I'm talking about here, a dedicated email inbox manager that can become part of your team and really take over what is very likely the single biggest stress point time suck productivity killer in your business and your life, no matter what you're doing. So this person can do as much or as little as you like. They can potentially just come in and come up with some systems, some automatic replies, some templates, and they can just be there clearing your inbox, sorting things for you so you don't have to deal with it yourself. And you know, you don't have that scattered feeling when you look at your email or email can be taken off your plate completely. So your dedicated inbox manager will deal with every message that comes into your inbox and also set up some really intelligent systems for doing things that maybe you don't do right now or maybe you, you kind of do. For example, do you have some kind of process for following up with potential customers? So people who show interest in buying your products or services, maybe just email in a question. Do you have a intelligently designed process for chasing them up over a period of weeks with several emails? And you know, are you doing that yourself right now? Well, imagine you've got someone who handles that. It's scheduled. It's part of their job to make sure that goes out in a strategic way. The same goes for dealing with potential cancellations or refunds. So if you have a membership site now or payment plans, this person could come up with a, a system for strategically handling those kind of queries to, to reduce your cancellation and refund rate. These are just a couple of ways you can actually increase your profits or reduce your losses with a really tailored, dedicated inbox manager. And this is actually, in fact, what we have in my business uh, right now, my information product business with uh, my blog and my podcast and all my teaching products. So if all of this sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to learn more about the service, go to inboxdone.com and you can find an application form there to apply to get your own dedicated inbox manager as well. Just a word of warning though, because of the personalized nature of this service, they can only take on a few clients each month because you do get your own dedicated inbox manager. So that person is specially trained and that takes time. So they have a limit to the number of people they can take on board each month 
month and really it goes to the best applicant so do a great job applying and obviously if you're a great fit for the service you will get your own dedicated inbox manager and email could be taken completely out of your life and you'll be able to experience what I've experienced for a long time now that sense of freedom relaxation the the idea that you you know you don't have to stress about this anymore you don't have to worry about those emails sitting in your inbox not only that you don't have to worry about whether you're doing a good enough job replying to those emails because you could be losing sales right now just because you're not chasing up in an intelligent way so I encourage you to go check out inboxdone.com I really recommend their services thank you for tuning in to the entrepreneur's journey podcast the original entrepreneur interview podcast established in 2005 see you next time